In this new podcast series, I will be talking to visionaries, creatives, healers, teachers, educators and guides all around the globe. I'm so excited to share with you chats that I've had with these amazing people who are showing up in the world and helping people to shine their light, helping people to create their own journeys and to, you know, move forward in a positive manner. My intention for creating this new series where I talk to these amazing people was that I wanted to showcase other people that are in the world that are supporting women, are supporting humans, are helping, who are guiding and, you know, offering different healing modalities, mindfulness mindfulness techniques for parents and children and and everyone alike I wanted to showcase um, and open up dialogue around spirituality and healing modalities I wanted to just have conversation that flowed conversation that was um, informative and that everybody could get something out of and myself included in these interviews or these episodes that we you know and these chats that I've had with these people um, has opened up so much to me so I can only imagine what it's going to do for you guys Um, so I am so excited to announce this new series and I absolutely hope you love it as much as I do so let's get into today's episode Christine, I'm so excited to have you on the episode today. Welcome. I'm so excited to be here. Thank you. <laughs> no worries. It's great. Um, so I would love it if you could just share with our listeners just a little bit about who you are and what you're doing in this world. Absolutely. Well, um, as you know, as you just said, my name's Christine and I um, am a coach and a consultant and an author and a speaker. I have to try to get all those titles in there. <laughs> and uh, basically, I help people figure out uh, what to do about their uh, intensities, their emotional intensities um, and their creative intensities. Um, and I do that in a variety of ways. I do that in my writing by addressing various different mental health kinds of needs like anxiety and um, trying to find your authentic voice if you're a kid and uh, giftedness and the social emotional needs around gifted humans. I also do that in the form of my novels by writing really intense novels because why not? A girl's got to have a hobby, right? Um, in both young adult and adult genres. And then I do that through 
consulting by working predominantly with school districts, but also with various businesses on how to harness emotional intensity uh, within their students or understand their students better, uh, redefining what some of that behavior might look like in a more healthy, strengths-oriented way. And then I do it through coaching, which is probably where I love doing it the most, uh, by working either individually with um, adults and children to really find their authentic voice and to parent from that place of helping develop authentic voice in their children in really reframing some of how we might emotionally feel about our intensities to more of a strength than a deficit. I think sometimes most of us, if we're really emotional human beings, think that, that that's not looked good on and we shouldn't be that. And um, I wanna change that entire narrative because I think there's a lot of magic in being an empath. And I think there's a lot of special qualities if, about being an intense human be, and being able to feel the world that way. And I think, um, I think there are some drawbacks that come along for the ride, but I think that's more of learning how to work with it, with your own emotional intensity, with your own empathic nature, with your own intense creative nature. Um, so I don't really see it as a deficit. I just see it as part of a growth model, kind of something we can learn from. So in my one-on-one -on -one work, I really help individuals figure that out, whether they're figuring that out because they're launching a new business or they're kind of changing kind of how they show up on the planet or whether they're a parent working with some really intense needs of their children. Um, I just like helping people reframe all of that and kind of get reconnected with their authentic selves. And sometimes that also means the writer in them um, or the other kind of artist in them. And sometimes it just means figuring out how to, how to cope. Yeah. And so you must, so you obviously have a variety of different people. Yeah. That come to you. yeah. So what yeah. would be one of the biggest struggles that they're, they're dealing with that when they come to you? Yeah, I think um, probably the biggest thing that they're dealing with as an adult, if I'm working with an adult client, is uh, trying to make sense out of how emotional they are and how they show up on the planet. And a lot of times they they come to me saying, you know, I, I, I think I might be um, emotionally intense. You talk about that. That sounds like me. Um, and as we talk, you know, they'll, they'll share stories about not feeling accepted their entire life and not feeling like they fit in their entire life and feeling like the world is too loud most of the time and, and not really knowing what to do with that. Um, feeling called to create, but feeling exhausted by what that means for them um, on an emotional level. And so I'll work with them on kind of what all of what does all of that mean and and what does that all of re that represent for you in your life and how do we reframe that into a strength and how do you start aligning it more that way so it doesn't feel so exhausting to be yeah. an intense and, yeah because a lot of people do you know they they feel that you know people say oh you're just too much or yeah. you know and 100% yeah yeah I've grown so, up with that. So I understand yeah. that on a very deeply personal level, actually. Yeah. Um, I've grown up uh, being told, um, even now, like even as an adult, being told I'm too much, I'm too intense, I'm too this, I'm too that. And it took me a long time in my own life to come to terms with what that really meant and to realize that's actually not a criticism. That's actually 
you know, I'm, I'm glad I'm as much as I am because it enables me to see nuances in life that maybe other people miss and something to celebrate. And that's a, that's a gift and it's a gift to bring to the world. And, uh, I've, getting an opportunity to help others figure that out too for themselves is a really special thing that I'm humbled by. Yeah, because you don't see many people um, doing this kind of work. Yeah. yeah, it's true. It's true. And I think it's really, really needed. I think, um, you know, gifted human beings, uh, highly creative human beings, highly sensitive human beings just get a lot of negative messaging in our world. And it's time to just not listen to any of that. Yeah, that's right. I had a, a guest on the other day and she was saying, you know, she has bipolar and a lot of people would see that as, you know, a negative, but she's embraced the positive bits of that. And I found yeah. that, in, yeah, just beautiful because a lot of people would say, oh, you know, I'm bipolar and they'd be, you know, really. That's something I have to overcome. That's yeah. that's a deficit model approach. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Totally. And totally. she was even trauma, right? People say, oh, you know, I'm, I'm a survivor of trauma. Here's all the negative things I had to overcome instead of saying, you know, I had this horrible set of life circumstances, but rather than define me, they enabled me to do these things, right? Which yeah. is just a different way of reframing it and kind of more strengths-based. I'm really into helping people figure out what their strengths are. And when they're having conflict in their life or when their life isn't kind of rolling out the way they anticipated to look at it from a lens of strength, meaning is there one of your strengths, something that's really important to you, a value that's really important to you that got triggered? And that's why you're in conflict. You Mm -hmm. know, is your strength and your partner's strengths are those at odds with one another? And so, and that's why you're having a conflict. So it's not, it's not because anybody's doing anything wrong per se. It's because you have kind of competing objectives right now. And how do you, through that and how do you use a strengths-based approach to deal with that and a lot of us don't actually realize what our strengths are do we because we're yeah, we live in that negative mind. yeah we live in yeah, that negative mindset <laughs> yeah sorry <laughs> we live in that negative space you know we're just prone to you know not really focus on our weaknesses is what i'm trying to say well i think i think we have a whole culture right? We have a whole species that says we're supposed to do that. We're supposed to yeah. be better. We're supposed to, you know, and um, while, I, while I don't think there's anything wrong with taking an objective view of where your life is and saying, what's working for me? What's not working for me? What do I want to adjust? What do I want to change? I think it's much, much healthier to do that from the perspective of what are my strengths? Um, are my strengths showing up in a way that work? Or are my strengths showing up in a way that actually isn't working for me? You know, if one of my strengths is being kind to others and I'm being so kind to others that people are walking all over me, okay, I'm overusing that strength. It's really not serving me and it's really not serving the planet very well. I'm not Mm -hmm. in alignment. And so part of living an authentic life and part of kind of, you know, understanding your intensities and, and coming to terms with all of that is recognizing when that's happening to say, okay, let me regroup. You know, it's all well and good to be super kind, but super kind at the expense of my health probably isn't what's supposed to happen. So we probably need to adjust that. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I love that. I love, yeah, because it's a different perspective, isn't it? Yeah. 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 
I don't think, see, I, I don't know. I just fundamentally believe, I, I fundamentally believe that we all have the answers we need inside of us every single day. Uh, we might need a thought partner or coach or somebody to help us see that because I also firmly believe we're all incredibly blind most of the day. <laughs> we're blind <laughs> to our strengths. We're blind to, you know, we don't listen. We, we don't hear that small voice of wisdom inside. Like I just, you know, so I think we live that kind of a life too. Yeah. Um, so a partner is always good in that journey together to help kind of help us see all of that. Um, but I do think, I do think everything we need is right there. And I do think the universe gives us exactly what we need. And, and that's not to discount um, the real hardships that, that exist for people. There are real hardships that exist. Um, but I don't see hardships as being, you know, payback or retribution or whatever. I think it's called life. And I think we all have it. And I think if we can learn lessons from it and if we can try to stay super intact emotionally while we're going through it, um, we come out on the other side with some really incredible gifts. Yeah. Wow. Now you, um, we spoke before about, um, you've been living a very spiritual life since a yep. very, very young age. Do you want to yeah. talk a little bit about that? Sure. Sure. So, um, my mother was my first spiritual teacher. Uh, and my mother was this incredible spiritual being who was the wisest human I've ever met to date on this planet. And so she raised me in that same kind of vein. And so I was meditating from a very young age. Um, five is probably the earliest I remember, but wouldn't surprise me at all if I was actually meditating a little bit before then. Um, uh, I uh, understood that there was a world greater than myself, that I, there were mysteries of the universe, shall we say, mm -hmm. um, that were, that I was going to spend a lifetime unfolding. Like I've just known that my whole life. Um, I've believed in um, not just a faith, but, you know, a true spiritual journey that there was this, this, this un, unseen aspect of humanity that, um, and of the world that needed to be discovered and all of that was was brought on really from my mom you know in those early times with my mom my mom was a minister in what was called a new thought um, church which is similar to unity but a little different and um, she became that when I was really young and she had a, a was a deeply spiritual human and in her lifetime experienced kind of the mystical spiritual roots of every major religion so she explored it deeply and profoundly with Christianity and deeply and profoundly with Islam and deeply and profoundly with Buddhism and deeply and profound as, profoundly with Judaism so having that as your parent and you know, kind of your first best teacher just gave me this incredibly eclectic um, point of view, both from a religious perspective and from a spiritual and philosophical perspective. And it's enabled me to, I, I don't know, I just kind of view the world a little differently. I view the world as a series of ands, not either ors. And I, I really believe that's where that comes from. Yeah, wow. That's such a beautiful gift too, isn't it? To, you know, have, be able to have grown up that way. Did you have any like struggles like in your schooling or with your peers or anything? Uh, yeah, all the yeah. time. Um, yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, I could tell you some really crazy, I don't know how crazy of a story you want. Uh, Doesn't matter. So my mom, okay, so when I was in middle school, which is probably not the best time to be experimenting or kind of telling people about the spiritual boo-woo stuff that your parents (laughs) are into, right? Um, My mom had told me a story about people who bent spoons with their minds. And I thought that was like ridiculously cool. And um, I've always known that I've, I've got this pretty high intense vibrational energy. And so I had brought a couple of metal spoons from home because I was just going to like, you know, make friends by bending spoons. I, I don't know how I thought bending spoons was going to make friends, but you know, so at lunch I sat there and I did some spoon bending and um, some kids heard about it. And so the next class was science and I'm in front row in my science class. I pull out a spoon because somebody dared me to. And I bent the spoon in the middle of class. And I remember totally distracting my teacher um, as I'm bending this spoon. And she called my mom that day and said, "Um, uh, Mrs. Deemer, I think we need to talk. Like, And she was deeply worried about me and this spoon bending thing. And, and mom had to kind of pull me aside and say, okay, so not everybody on the planet's going to believe like you do. Like, you know, she had to kind of give me this talk. Um, yeah. For right or for wrong, that talk kind of stuck with me. And, and so I stopped doing some of those things altogether. Um, and, I, and I really went through a period in my life where I kind of walked away from all of my spiritual practice. And... Uh, when I came back to it as an adult uh, and, and started meditating again, that's when I started writing novels. And the first novel I wrote, which has never been released, it'll eventually get rewritten because it, it wasn't that good, quite honestly. But there was a scene in it that's an enlight. It was an enlightenment novel. It was about a journey of enlightenment and spiritual development and psychic development. And I mean, that's really what the book was about. And um, I remember my mom and, and my then stepdad reading it and the warning they gave me like, okay, now Christine, you live in a really conservative town. You, you might want, if you're going to publish this, you might want to do it under a pseudonym. Like, I don't know, remember you have kids and, you know, and it was that same kind of people aren't going to understand fear. And it wasn't until after my mom had passed away and a good 20 years had passed or 10 years had passed from that that I, I really kind of realized what that did, right? And that, that put in motion a mental barrier around, against some success in that area. Um, and I, it's, it's taken me, I've spent the last four or five years really kind of unraveling all of that to really got to get at it. Um, and, you know, whose fear is that, mine or my mom's? And, you know, given how much I admire my mom, of course I'm going to, you know, take that on as my own. but. Yeah, it was, it was really interesting. Um, the other thing that was difficult growing up, my mother uh, went through a period of her life uh, when she used to do exorcisms on buildings. Okay. Um, and so she was written up in Psychology Today, and she wrote, was written up under a pseudonym because I was in school. I was a yeah. late elementary, early middle school student, and she didn't want anybody to trace it back to me. Um, which I totally understand, especially in the seventies like that. Yeah, that would not have been cool. So, um, yeah. So mom, yeah, it was an interesting time growing up. Yeah. I'm a very hippie mom. She was very much a hippie. Like that, that was my mom. Yeah. Yeah. She was pretty cool. Yeah. Which kind of, you know, like there was lots of hippies back around back then. So that was probably, you know, it wasn't too bad, but 
you know, sometimes when you're in, you know, schooling and everyone's trying to do, you just try and follow the pack. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so that yeah. would have been a bit tricky to sort of. Yeah, yeah it, it, it absolutely was. <laughs> Especially exercises and stuff. <laughs> I did help matters, you know, bending spoons. Bending in the middle spoons. Of very class. talented. Very probably talented. not a good plan. <laughs> Oh, I would have been like so inspired. <laughs> I, you know, I didn't think anything of it. I don't think I've, I've actually haven't bent metal, metal since then, other than I had a ring uh, that I melted onto my hand, actually, unintentionally. Oh. It was a beautiful ring and I, yeah, destroyed the nerd thing. I just had a really strong level of energy at a period of time in my life, was really unaware. And yeah, that yeah. just mangled that ring. Wow. Oops. Oh, that's incredible. Yeah. Oops. <laughs> yeah. Oops. <laughs> I have since learned how to modulate my energy much better. Yeah, right. Yeah, that's yeah. incredible. Yeah. So um you're an author. So how many books have you written? Uh that's a really good question. I counted the other day. I think I'm up to 16 or 17. Oh wow. About evenly split between nonfiction and fiction. Yeah, wow. Okay. Yeah. And so you've written like a whole different like different range of genres? Yeah, really big range. So in nonfiction, I write self-help books, um, either for parents and educators or for children. And um, they're in a variety of mental health topics. Uh, for example, I have a new book that's coming out next month called Healing the Heart, uh, which is all about thriving after trauma. So it's, it's about kind of what happens uh, neurobiologically when we um, live through chronic or really severe levels of trauma and what are all the things we can do to help ourselves and help our children and so I write books like that I have another book currently called 101 success secrets for gifted kids but it's going to get a new title when it goes through a second edition and so I'm working on the second edition of that one now and that's a book for kids from 8 to 12 to really understand all of the social emotional meaning of being identified as gifted. And so what are all the intensities that come along for the ride and what does all of that mean? And how do you manage all of that as a kid? And yeah. um, love the first edition of that book. So I'm super, super excited to be redoing it um, as a second edition. So in, that's predominantly what I write. I do have some plans for some more books for adults around like how to adults dealing with intensity, as well as some really specific books about writing. And so, you know, what does it mean to be a storyteller and what's the obligation of the artist in a culture and how do we kind of live, be true to that, right? Live, live from that space. Regularly. Yeah. So those will come out down the road. Um, in fiction, I write novels. Uh, I have two series out. One's a gothic romance. And so it's kind of um, Romeo and Juliet meets angels and demons. And so if you took, yeah, if you took the romantic story of Romeo and Juliet and you just substituted yeah. everybody for a bunch of angels and demons, you yeah. pretty much get at it. Yeah, but it contemplates the idea of sacrifice and love and redemption and you know, is there ever a time when you are no longer redeemable? Um, 
So it kind of contemplates all of that, really ponders and looks at angelic mythology and pulls from mythology from a lot of different religions and faith backgrounds. And then the other series I have is called The Solomon Experiments. I have one more book left to come out on that one, which should hopefully come out sometime in the next six months if I can get my act together and get the book finished. Uh, but it's a book actually about psychic assassins. And so it's super, super cool. I, so if you think foreign identity meets X-Men, you've kind of got that series. All right. And then I have one other standalone novel that I wrote um, that I wrote right after my mom died. Um, that was really my way of processing through some enormous grief, um, traumatic levels of grief. And uh, it's called Transcend. And it's basically the, a Phantom of the Opera story, but it's Phantom of the Opera before he became Phantom of the Opera, my take on it. So totally wow. different than the original was intended, but just, I was contemplating the idea of what makes a person get that crazy, you know, yeah. like what has to break in a person for them to go that crazy. And so it's, it's written, if you like classic horror, it's kind of written in that vein. Um, a good friend of mine likened it to uh, Mary Shelley's Frankenstein, kind of written that way, okay. which I consider an incredible compliment. Yeah, uh, very Edgar Allan Poe esque. So if you like dark psychological thrillers, this is a dark psychological okay. story. Um, yeah. So yeah, those are the those. That's what I write. I have a new series that I am in the middle of just outlining something I've been contemplating writing for probably five or six years. I just haven't written it yet, so I'm going to write it now. Um, and it's a, basically a story of the three fates um, set in modern times, slightly different world, and kind of yeah contemplates um chaos and what happens when chaos takes over the fates yeah. You know? yeah and then i really want to rewrite my story of enlightenment because i've been really called to kind of land in this space of fictional um spiritual growth stories that are fictional in nature yeah. and i feel like that's a good space for me to be in um this story that I had written before was about a, a girl who um, really could all of a sudden find herself in this alternative reality where every thought she had came to life immediately. And, you know, if you follow a spiritual path, you know, that's actually not that far from accurate. It's just the immediately part that's not often what we see. But in her case, everything she thinks and feels um, comes to fruition right away. And and kind of how do you deal with that? And how do you how do you manage snapping between you, the world you know, the mundane world, and this you know magical world you keep finding yeah. yourself in? Yeah, and, that uh, sounds wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so I I I've been very much called to rewrite that story. I just um, my business coach and I talked about that actually. My spiritual coach and I talked about it a couple of years ago, and I just haven't haven't quite sat down and done it yet. So, yeah. So how long does it eventually, take? Actually, I, I want to write a book. Actually, my mother really wanted to write books and yeah. never did. When she died, I came across a couple of her manuscripts and I have some recordings of, she was a minister, as I said, so I have some recordings of her, um, her services and whatnot. And so I kind of want to write a, um, a memoir that's kind of my journey with her. Um, I'd call it a walk with wisdom since that's what she represented to me and yeah. just kind of share share stories about our life and as well as her teachings so eventually yeah. i'll get that one written too 
lovely. Yeah. Yeah. I think it would be profound. Like I, yeah. To, to date her, um, I, I was raised in a Christian household with the Christian faith. And so that's kind of how I'm oriented. Um, and so Christmas, the holiday of Christmas is really important to me. And she used to do this candle lighting service, uh, on Christmas Eve. And it's to date, the most beautiful thing I've ever seen, like just how she symbolized everything, how she, what that candlelighting service represented in terms of, it was really, if you come down to it and you put it in modern terms, it was uh, setting your intentions and your feeling, core desired feelings for the year. That's really what she was doing. And she was doing it through a candlelighting service. She just didn't have those beautiful terms um, that yeah. we throw around so easily now. But that's yeah. really what she was doing. Yeah, wow. Yeah. So how long does it take to write a book? Oh, that's a really good question. Uh, it depends on how much I'm fighting with myself while I write it. So <laughs> most books that I've written, um, the, the truth of the matter is I'm a really fast writer. Um, so the actual first draft of the book, uh, the actual button chair writing it time probably isn't very long, a few months if that. Um, but everything that leads up to that is usually months in the making. And so if it's nonfiction, those are incredibly detail rich in research. So I am probably researching a book for a good six months before I ever write a word of that book. Um, and then the editorial process in nonfiction is pretty quick for me because I, uh, I have a really good editor that gets the first round of everything I write. And then, um, then it goes to whoever my publisher editor is with my publisher. Um, and that's usually a pretty fast process on my novels. It's a little bit different because I publish those myself. Um, and novels, I tend to fight with myself a little bit more when I'm writing them. It's really funny. I think because in my day job, I've always been, um, you know, I speak and I do a lot of workshops and I train a lot. And so a lot of my nonfiction sounds a lot like I talk. It's very much my voice. Uh, but when I write novels, I, I'm what I consider a method writer. I really get into the heart and mind of the character that I'm writing. And so it just kind of depends on how much I'm fighting that process and how much I'm, I'm, really giving myself if I'm on a roll and I'm pretty dedicated like the very first book I wrote actually only took like a couple months to write it it was really just came out super fast never written something quite that fast since in novels um so it just again it just kind of depends but it can take a couple months or it could take years yeah because I'm writing a book what um what advice would you have for me uh, are you writing? Well, the first thing I always ask people when they ask me that is, are you yep. writing nonfiction or fiction and why are you writing it? So I'm we actually, start with the why. Yeah. So I'm actually writing it for myself pretty much. Mm -hmm. um, and it's, a, it's my guide to enlightenment as well. Yeah. So okay. a so, 40 year old's guide to enlightenment. There you go. All right. So um, I actually teach a class on, uh, I call it soulful writing. And so it's really about locking into the soul and writing from the soul. So I'm a firm believer in writing exercises and cultivating a daily habit of writing. And I'm a firm believer in certain rules while you write. Number one, you don't lift your pen off the page, period. You just don't. You just keep writing. Um, it's kind of like a journal practice, right? You just yeah. write. And you write with free abandon and you don't write and edit at the same time. That's if I had any advice for anybody, it's don't try to edit while you're writing. It actually doesn't work that way. 
If you try to edit and write at the same time, you, you do what you kind of do on a computer when you hit two keys at the exact same time and your computer freaks out. That's what happens in your brain. And yeah. so if you try to write and edit at the same time, your editor will always win, not your creator. And so your editor will silence your creator and you'll write something positively mundane. If on the other hand, you can just write with free abandon, uh, that's what I recommend. So you write and then you leave, uh, leave it and go do something else. And then you come back and you read it. And when you read it, that's when you can edit it. But you yeah. can't edit it while you write. Yeah. Oh, that's good. Yeah. Cause yeah. I often the other big piece. So I have one more piece of advice. Yeah. When you do finally get whatever it is you're writing written and yeah. you give it out to the world, that's super scary. And people yeah. are going to make all sorts of judgments about it and about you. And sometimes people are kind and most of the time they're not. And they're going to say all kinds of stuff. But here's the thing. The minute you've produced whatever art, art you're going to produce and you've given that to the world it actually doesn't belong to you anymore it belongs to the world and so you actually don't get to weigh in on people's opinions people have a right to do whatever they want to do with something that doesn't no longer belongs to you if you're really worried about it go write something else yeah go write yeah. something else let people have the opinions they're going to have it's not for you to correct it's not for you it's not for you to weigh in on yeah that's good advice because we, mm -hmm. I suppose. It's hard. Them. It's super yeah. hard because they're parts of your soul, right? Yeah, exactly. And I've had some pretty harsh critiques on various things. And so um, it's not just about developing a thick skin. It's about really understanding that, you know, when, when I write a book and I hit publish, if I'm publishing it on my own or my publisher, you know, I send it in to my publisher, that final copy, and I sign off that says, this is fine just the way it is, that final galley. Um, from that moment on, that book doesn't belong to me anymore. And yeah. so I, I really have to just learn to detach and to let go. And it's going to be whatever it's going to be. Yeah, I'm going to be using You know, I, I have a set of prayers I say anytime I'm writing something for the world to consume, whether it be an article, because I write a lot of articles and I write all kinds of stuff. And so anytime I'm writing anything for someone else to consume, I, it's always a prayer of, you know, let me write down the words that somebody needs to hear. Yeah. Same thing when I'm speaking. Let me say the words that somebody needs to hear. Yeah. Yeah, I do. That I can truly be a vehicle. Yeah. Yeah. Beautiful. So um, we're in 2020. And yes, we are. What does 2020 look like for you? And do you have a word of the year? I do. I do. I have my word of the year. So my word for 2020 is present uh, because I'm trying to really cultivate and get better at being present. I found um, 2018 and 2019 both were fraught with a lot of growth, which was good. But, you know, there was some byproduct of that growth, like a lot of anxiety and, and some other pretty intense emotions. And when I went back and kind of looked all over all of that, I realized, well, you were really not being very present during those moments in particular. And so, so 2020 is all about being present for me and for me and my business and what I'm doing. It's really about um, up-leveling and clar clarity. So I spent a couple of years getting really clear on what I wanted to do and, and how I wanted to do it, and what impact I wanted to make on the planet. And 2020 and this decade will really be about executing all of that. Yeah, beautiful. 
Okay, so I always ask everybody um, the very last question. What does the phrase in a light mean to you? What does that, well, so two things come to mind when I hear the word inner light. First and foremost, the, my mother's very, very first church that when she became ordained was the church of inner light. And so when I see inner light, it's like my mother is right here next to me, which wow. automatically fills me with incredible joy. Yeah. Um, but on a philosophical note, uh, <laughs> inner light to me is your soul, it means yeah. your soul. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Beautiful. Well, thank you so much, Christine. I'm so glad that you joined me today. Oh, I'm so excited. Thank you. And what great questions. I appreciate that. Okay, and I will have all your links and social links in the show notes for people to be able to find you. And um, thanks again. You bet. Send me a link and I'll make sure to blast it out too. Great. This episode is brought to you by Awaken the Goddess Within, an online immersion with a retreat attached if you so choose to do the retreat. This immersion is for the woman who wants to reconnect to her soul essence, who wants to untangle from the limiting beliefs, the blocks, the patterns, the sabotaging behaviors. This is for the woman who wants to awaken that goddess-like energy within her, who wants to tap into the feminine, the sacred feminine energy, who wants to become more aware of what she wants, what she needs, how she feels who wants to be part of a community, who wants to learn tools and techniques to take with her throughout her entire life, who wants to raise her vibration to embody her soul essence, who she is at the core of her being. So if this sounds like you, if this sounds amazing to you, join us spaces are filling up these women are so excited and i am excited to have them in as well this is going to be an amazing community experience supporting one another so jump on over to the link that is in the show notes and find out some more information or you can actually message me which the links will be in the show notes as well so if you are ready to connect with yourself if you're ready to connect to your divine feminine energy if you're ready to awaken the goddess within then join us